The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three and wife to a country music star. And I'm Jess Diamond, registered dietitian nutritionist and mom to one. And this is Meaningful Living, a community to make parenting and life a little easier and a lot less lonely. Every week, we talk to experts, parents, and answer your questions to share the practical tips and real side of parenting we all need. Because when you remove the doubt, fear, and stress from everyday decisions, you create more time for the meaningful moments. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. So today, you guys, we're joined by Liesl, who many of you may already know. She's Mommy Labor Nurse on Instagram and all other social media platforms. And her podcast is also Mommy Labor Nurse. She is a labor and delivery nurse who has this incredible platform designed to just educate and empower us all about pregnancy and birth. So we're going to dive in all about birth, what we can do, how we can take back some more control in our delivery room and kind of talk through all of the most commonly asked birth questions. So you guys are going to love this episode. Well, thanks for being here. We are so excited to talk to you because obviously there's no one right way to have a baby and there's so many different ways (laughs) and everyone's experience is so different and preferences are different. I know that all three of my births were different. I've got three kiddos and I don't think any of them turned out the way that I had planned, but they were all beautiful in their own way. And we actually published, like Jess was telling you right before we started this, published an article the other day about the simple things that we can do just to to make our delivery room peaceful and a better birthing experience, no matter what our birth plan is. And we were so surprised by the feedback that we got. You know, we had, we had talked about dimming the lights, like we were talking about and having flameless candles and essential oils. And, and we got so much feedback that was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea mm-hmm. that these are things that, that we could do. And so I am so excited to talk to you about, or we are so excited to talk to you about all of this stuff and what are some actionable items that we can do to take control of the delivery room even if you have a C-section, just like all of the things, how can we um, take control of our delivery rooms? Yeah. Thank you for having me. So for anybody listening who doesn't know me, my name is Liesl and and I'm a labor and delivery nurse, been one for about eight years now. So yeah, I see this a lot where patients come in and it's just like a stark change from being at home, right? Like they're not used to being in the hospital. So, you know, you kind of get tensed up and you want, uh, it's it's great to do anything you can to kind of uh, remind yourself of home and kind of make it a little bit more chill in there. So I like that you mentioned the flameless candles. I love that. Don't bring any real candles into the hospital because you'll set fires. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> so flameless candles are great. I always give give the tip, even though it might be a little bit of a pain in the butt, is bring your own pillow because you can always wash it afterwards, you know, from the hospital. But like our pillows, I mean, we got tons of pillows, but they're not very comfy. So if you are a pillow snob like I am, bring your own pillow because <laughs> you'll be a little <laughs> bit more comfortable, not only during labor, but during post postpartum as well. So I love that tip. And then you can bring your own gown. A lot of people don't realize that you don't have to wear the hospital gown. I didn't wear the hospital gown for, I think I didn't wear anything for my first birth, (laughs) but I think I wore, I wore like a little 
dress from like Old Navy that I had that was like, I mean, super flowy. You know, it was like the middle of August. So it was, I mean, I could have been wearing nothing again. Um, But yeah, bring your own gown is perfectly fine. Anything that kind of reminds you of home, Um, like those essential oils, you know, so you can have some nice, a nice smelling room because sometimes there's not so nice smells that happen. And that's totally okay. I will say one thing, like a couple of things that we can do is making the lights nice and dim, right? I think we mentioned, I think you mentioned that in the beginning, Um, but asking for the lights to be kind of dim, asking us to kind of uh, talk in a little bit softer tones. Sometimes you get a nurse who's a little bit loud. So you can put this, sometimes it's a little awkward if you're like, can you lower your voice? But that's something that you can put on your birth plan. Like, hey, can we kind of, you know, lower the tones <laughs> in the room? So yeah, dimming lights. Yes. Yeah, dimming lights. I've ha- I've seen people get like earplugs too, because sometimes no- uh, hospitals can be very noisy, especially the labor ward, because you- sometimes you can hear other people in labor and there's you know, machines beeping at you. So I've seen people wear like earplugs before, AirPods, bring your own music, right? We don't, I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm like, I guess we could pull up YouTube on the computer. Now I'm thinking, I'm like, I've never done that before, but that's actually a pretty good tip. I'll pull up YouTube next time and like get some jams from the computer going. But (laughs) I always encourage people to bring their own music, like a little speaker. And then the last thing I have seen people do is like a little, bring a little eye mask. So you can have your eye mask on during labor. So there's no distractions. So yeah, those are just a few things that I've seen commonly, but really like, at the heart of it, bring stuff that makes you feel more comfortable. Because like I said, a lot of people come into the hospital and they've never been to the hospital before. So it's just like a jarring experience. So anything that really reminds you of home, like go for it, bring it in. I'm so glad that you mentioned the part about, you know, lowering voices and, and having the volume down, because that's something I didn't really know about until, um, my doula Lori Bregman Mm -hmm. and, that's how actually Jess and I got connected was we had the same doula. And so she mentioned putting that on my birth plan. And I was so glad that she did because I'm already a person that's very sensitive to noises. I mean, my husband's in the music industry, which is quite ironic, but like it's the volume of the noise. I love music and people talking. It just, if it's like a tone or a volume that's too much, I'm like, I can't get me out of here. So that was like a saving grace. And it felt so good to just put it on my birth plan. Like, here's my boundary. This is what I want. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I am definitely the same way. And it's funny. I, (laughs) people who have been, who, who either work with me or who I've taken care of in labor and also see me here on social media, I have, I can have a loud voice and I can be talking like this. But when I'm in the labor room, it like immediately changes where I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. You know, it's like your tone immediately changes. So yeah, that's a good little tip. Just put it on your birth plan. And then I love that I was going to end with, um, hey, doulas are great, right? Like let's encourage everybody to have doulas. That's another thing too, is like, hey, if you put it on your birth plan, we're going to do our best to read your birth plan and implement everything on your birth plan. 
but maybe your nurse is just talking a little bit loud or maybe the lights are a little bit too high and you're in pain and you're just like not not in the mood. You know, you're like, I I really want these lights to be down, but I'm just like uh, not focused. Your doula is there to help you be your advocate and say, hey, okay, let's dim the lights. Let's get this out. Let's try and go in the bath. So doula is definitely let's doula it up for everybody. That's my opinion. (laughs) Love that. Thank God for doulas. Thank God for nurses and doctors too. Oh my gosh. When it comes to probiotics, there's just so much confusion and misconception out there. I just get questions about this all the time, mainly just what is a probiotic? Should I be taking it? Why is it so important? So In the simplest explanation, probiotics are just live organisms that have many health benefits when given in adequate amounts. So they can be present in certain foods, just like yogurt or sauerkraut, or they can be taken as supplements. And they're so important because they help support our immune system, also our digestive system, so our digestion and our overall health. So because our gut bacteria is so important for our overall health, I'm sure you've heard that before, taking a probiotic supplement is just a great way to make sure you're getting that right balance of the good bacteria our body needs. I always say we need to start taking care of our gut and our gut health, just like we take care of anything else important, like our skin or anything else. So what if you could get even more out of your probiotics? Well, Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is here to deliver just that. Seed is my absolute favorite probiotic on the market. Haley and I take it. Actually, Bryce takes it now because they just came out with a pediatric one, which is great. So what makes Seed different from everyone else? It's really simple. They combine probiotics with prebiotics together in this nested capsule system. So it's actually protects the probiotic bacteria from just the harsh conditions that we have in our gastrointestinal tract. Essentially what that means is it's just designed to actually make it to your colon so it can give you the benefits of a probiotic. You guys, seed is the real deal. It improves digestion, eases bloating, and so much more. Now that I think about it, we've actually had Ara Katz on the podcast. She's the co-founder and co-CEO of Seed. And in that episode, we talk all about seed and the importance of gut health because it's an amazing product and a subject that's so important. So if you're ready to start a new healthy habit today, Visit seed.com slash living and use code living to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash living and use code living. It's a game changer to your gut health. You are going to love this product. Have you been looking for a place to talk all things parenting? And I'm not talking about who makes the best stroller, but the really important stuff like how to be a better and more connected parent or how to raise children with empathy. Well, you are in the right place, folks. My name is Brandi Jordan, and I am a doula and parenting expert. And this is my show, Dear Doula. I will be giving you practical and impactful tips to parent with more joy, more calm, and more ease. I will also be talking to parents and experts who will be helping us to reimagine what it looks like to nurture ourselves and parent in more gentle and mindful ways. I am so excited to be in community with all of you. Can't wait to hear from you. I think it's so hard sometimes to advocate for ourselves when we're in those settings because we've always been taught like, okay, let's let's just listen and see what, what I'm supposed to do next, especially in those environments. So to know that we can just ask for our needs and It's really nice. It is. It is. And it's honestly, we have a whole section 
in all in all three of our birth courses about advocacy and how important that is to learn about before you have a baby because it's kind of just that first step especially if you're the kind of person that you're not super confrontational it's like that first practice for being um, an advocate for yourself and your baby because God knows I am way more outspoken now that I have kids because sometimes I have to, you know, I have to be like, hey, this is what's going on. And you need to tell. So it's like that first step to kind of knowing how to advocate for for yourself. And now you have a child, you you know, you'll have to advocate for your child in certain situations. So, yeah, we have a whole section on that. And it's got a lot of great tips in there. One one thing that I encourage people to do, um, because sometimes when you talk about advocacy, it's like, what what even is that? But like a really simple tip that I tell people is, okay, if your provider is like telling you, okay, this is what I recommend, but they don't really give you a rationale or you don't really understand it, like ask questions. It is totally okay to ask questions until you understand, okay? You do not have to just sit there and nod your head and then be like, okay, I'm going to Google whatever he said, or I'm just going to not Google and just do whatever he or she said. Um, Ask questions. It is totally okay to ask questions. We want you to ask questions and we want to clarify things and we want to make sure we're all on the same page. So ask questions until you either understand and you're like, okay, let's do this or ask questions until you understand. And you're like, I am not okay with this. And that's okay too. That's what informed consent is. 100%. I'm so glad you said informed consent because I feel like if you don't know that's your right, then Mm -hmm. you don't even know to say it. And so there's so much in birth that I think that's exactly what happens. Like we kind of freeze, we're in the doctor's appointment when we're pregnant or we get into the birth room and then all of a sudden we're like frozen and -hmm. we don't even know what to say. And then we're told some piece of advice and we kind of, we take it and then we might not feel so great about it, but we don't even know that we can have that conversation with our physicians and nurses. And I love that. Just keep asking questions until you know. Okay. Let's talk about the juicy stuff now. Let's talk epidurals. I think that this is one of the top things that we get asked about. I think this is one of the top things Haley and I kind of teetered with in our own births of, do you get an epidural if, or do you not? I planned on not having an epidural And then when I was in labor, I 100%, I went for the epidural. I was having back labor and I was actually having this thing where before it was time to push, my body was just like naturally pushing it. The only way to describe it is like hitting your funny bone. And Mm -hmm. so my cervix was getting a little dilated. And so they're like, we just need to give you an epidural. This will help just kind of calm everything down so that we don't end up in a C-section if that's not what you want. And when I got it, it was like, whoa, I also got a walking epidural. So I know there's different types. So let's break down epidurals. Number one, what is the sweet spot? Is there a time? I think everyone's concerned about not getting it in time or getting it too early for it to wear out. Yeah. Good question. First, I want to ask you, so did you get a true walking epidural where you could get out of bed? True walking epidural. Very cool. Yeah. Those are not popular. A lot of people call epidurals walking. Yeah. They're not popular yet in the United States. Um, I can't speak for like all over the globe, but a lot of people describe walking epidurals as just low dose epidurals where you still are kind of required to stay in the bed because you can fall. Um, but that's cool that you actually got one um, and you could you could walk around with assistance. I love that. So to answer your question about like time frame, I would say you don't want to get to the hospital and not be in any pain and not have any contractions and get an epidural because sometimes it can 
just kind of make your labor pattern a little bit funky. So I usually encourage moms to get epidurals when they're not like screaming their heads off and they can't sit still because that is one contraindication for getting an epidural is you do have to be able to, you ha- you have to be able to sit still for the procedure because there's this big needle near your spine and we don't want it to go in the wrong spot because it's your spine and your spine is important for a lot of things, right? So um, I don't. we don't want you to wait until you, you are like screaming and moving and you're feeling pressure and you're about to push your baby out. But we want to kind of be in that middle point. So usually what I tell people is like, it's not really a centimeter mark. Like you don't have to be four centimeters to get an epidural. You don't have to be five centimeters. It's really like you're having regular contractions and your cervix is starting to change and you're hurting enough where you're like, okay, I'm not cool with like doing this much longer. Because the other thing with epidurals too is it's not the kind of thing that's immediate. You can't be like, hey, let me get that epidural. And I'm like, here you go. You know, it's like, we got to give you some fluid. <laughs> that would be nice. It's, you know, we do have we do have options like that. Like we, we have IV pain medication that it's like, here you go. And you get a relief pretty instantly. It doesn't numb you in the way that an epidural does. But an epidural is a procedure that we need an anesthesiologist up for, depending on where you deliver as well. Um, We might have to call the anesthesiologist from home. So it is like a process. So I always remind people of that. Like, don't get to the point where you're like, because it might be up to an hour, you know, before you are like nice and comfy, because there's some things we just kind of have to do. And the whole procedure takes, you know, a little bit of time as well. So I would say, I mean, I kind of already answered it, but I would say somewhere in between that, like, you're in kind of early labor and not quite hurting yet. Your contractions aren't super regular and we don't want to wait until you can't like move around and sit still. With that said too, last thing is if you are eight or nine or even 10 centimeters, I have had moms get epidurals at this point. Sometimes it's, you know, not, there's not a certain centimeter that you can't get one um, at. Really, if you're not actively pushing your baby out and you can sit still for the procedure, in most places, I mean, I can't speak for everywhere. You can get an epidural. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. I think I waited too long for my first one because I was Aww. being stubborn. I was, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, trying to like just make it happen. And then once I got it, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. why did I not do this yep. 12 hours ago? Yep. I have a lot of people say that, that especially one versus two, like your first birth versus your second one, you're like, oh, I remember how great that epidural was. And then for your second one, you're like, I'm going to ask for that a little bit earlier because I remember how great that (laughs) relief is. I know. I think we've said this before, but I think my biggest pet peeve when it comes to epidurals is just all birth is natural, right? Birth is natural, whether you're giving a C-section, whether it's vaginal, whether it's without epidurals or without, and every birth is different, right? So you can go in with an intention, but you don't know what the labor is going to feel like. You don't know how your baby's turning in there. You don't know if you're going to have back labor or not. So I think this idea that no matter what, we quote unquote have to just kind of power it out no matter what the circumstance is. I think we really need to change that paradigm and really talk about just birth being natural and going Mm -hmm. in with an intention and it may change and that's okay. And we kind of have to roll with that. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Thanks. I hear so often and, and I've said it too, like, oh, I really wanted a natural birth. And like, and it's almost like you hear shame and guilt in 
in the quote natural birth or someone's like, well, I'm having a natural birth Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like becomes this not competition, but this, I don't know. It's just a a weird stigma, but I love that you said every birth is natural. It is. Let's normalize it. It totally is. Yeah. And unfortunately that word is very prevalent in the birth world. And sometimes people interchange natural with vaginal too. And we never describe, we never do that at Mommy Labor Nurse. But sometimes you have people say, oh, I had a natural birth. And they they just mean, you know, they had a vaginal birth versus a C-section birth. I really wish the word natural would just kind of be removed from birth altogether. But unfortunately, it still is. I mean, we still use that verbiage in a lot of, you know, in a lot of our stuff, just because people know kind of what it means. But it's like, I even have a section in the course, like, hey, if I use the word natural, like, it's not shaming anybody. I'm just describing like this kind of, (laughs) you know, like phenomenon, this phenomenon. Right, right. So but yeah, totally agree with you. So if you're like me, getting back into the groove of working out can be a struggle. The idea of just spending an hour or more exerting myself at a gym or a group class just feels exhausting right now and completely unattainable before I even step inside the class. So I found the perfect solution, Evlo. We just had an episode with the founder of Evlo because we are obsessed with it. With Evlo, I get an amazing, efficient, and effective workout all from my living room or really anywhere. Plus, it's so fun and challenging at the same time. You guys, Evlo Fitness is a breath of fresh air in the fitness world. The method was designed by this physical therapist, Shannon, who we had on the podcast, who she actually developed chronic pain from her workouts. Back then, she thought this endless, intense exercise was really the only way to see results. And so she was sick of the pain and the grind. So she designed a method based on science and mindfulness that still drives results without wearing you down at all. Evlo workouts combine aspects of lifting, Pilates, and yoga, all of my favorite things, into a structured schedule to drive results, but avoids overuse. So there's no endless jumping or squatting or planks or anything else you dread or burpees. Instead, they selectively choose exercises that keep your joints happy. In each Evlo class, you'll feel that satisfying muscle burn that we love so much, but you'll leave refreshed and energetic. I don't know how to describe it besides that, instead of broken down and depleted. They even have programs designed specifically for the prenatal and postpartum stages, which I love because it's so important that we keep our body moving during pregnancy and beyond. Evlo usually offers a 14-day trial, but they're extending the free trial to 30 days for our listener with code living at checkout. Visit evlofitness.com to learn more and try their membership for 30 days with the code living. Work out smarter, not harder. Can't wait to hear what you guys think about this. Okay, while we're on the topic of C-sections, I feel like I need to talk, we need to talk through C-sections a bit because there is so much stigma. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like I've been hearing a lot more since 2020, just a lot more of inductions and a lot more C-sections. And number one, is it happening more? I have a question. I don't know if that's just what I'm hearing or if it actually is happening more frequently. But I think while we're talking of pet peeves, I guess I'm just getting all my pet peeves out there. The question of whether inductions lead to C-section. So I know that there was this study and I know in the birthing world, we talk about it a lot, how inductions 
it can lower your C-section rate. But I feel like that really doesn't mm-hmm. show the entire picture of what's going on, right? There's this cascade of interventions that happen. And I yeah. just feel like it's not necessarily the induction leading to C-section. It's kind of like all these other things that happen thereafter induction that's leading to C-section. So if a patient, if they go to their provider, their provider wants to induce at 39 weeks, let's say, what are your recommendations for someone with the intention of an induction that they want to have a vaginal birth? So what are some things that they can do or advocate for themselves to help themselves kind of prevent from going to that C-section if that's something they don't want? Yeah. So frequent position changes, especially in the early parts of labor, um, before you might get an epidural, I always say to, hey, like, let's delay the epidural, like kind of what I was talking about before. Um, Let's not get the epidural, you know, before we're kind of even in labor. We want to get the epidural at a certain um, point. We want to kind of wait till you're good and contracting. Um, So delay your epidural if you can, you know, if if you can go without an epidural, like great, that removes one intervention. We unfortunately can't do anything, can't do much about the continuous monitoring um, because you do require that with an induction. But with continuous monitoring, most, if not all, I'm not going to say all, but most hospitals have wireless equipment that you can put on your belly and you can just kind of be hooked up to this it's like a necklace kind of looking thing. Um, So you can either wear it around yourself or you can hang it on your IV pole. So you can, you know, walk around. It's not like a lot of people think, oh, if I'm on monitoring all the time, I have to be like in the bed or near the bed. No, we can put you on this monitoring. You can walk around. Guess what? They have waterproof monitors too. You can put some waterproof monitors on and get in the tub if you want to get in the tub or the shower. You can pretty much do anything, you know, that somebody who's not getting induced can, as long as we have those monitors on you, like we're good. If I can see what your baby's doing, we're good. So don't feel like, you know, oh darn, I I was really gonna, I was really looking forward to, you know, getting in the tub for this part of my labor. No, just say, hey, do you have those wire? I, I heard Liesl, tell me that you might have waterproof monitors. Like, can you tell, do you have those here? I mean, hey, if you want to get induced, like, there's not too much that we have to remove from your birth plan. Do you cite a tech often? That's what I had for my third birth. And I was, I don't I mean, like it. <laughs> you don't. Cause okay. No, I was I the person that was like, I, I do not want an induction. Like I've just heard horror stories from my friends, like traumatic stories. And so I'm like, I'm not going to do Pitocin. I'm not going to get inducted. So then of course my third baby, the unpredictable one came along and he was a week overdue. We were, I think it was 41 weeks in counting. And my doctor was like, okay, I know that you don't want to get induced. And she's yeah. like, so awesome. I, I love her so much. She's like, it's just, we really have to, you've got a lot of fluid in there and I'm a little bit concerned. Your baby's not dropping. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like, is there something we can do that's not so intense. And she was like, you can come in. We can, I can give you Cytotec. And I was like, what is that? Anyways, I went in at midnight, took the Cytotec. I don't know if it was this baby or what, but it was like my easiest, most peaceful, less painful delivery that I've had. You you didn't have anything else, just the Cytotec? I had the Cytotec and I progressed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, not pretty quickly. It was just painlessly. And then by like 3 p.m. the next day, I mean, it, this was so long. 
that, and it wasn't intense. I was to uh, five centimeters and they were like, you know, we're going to probably need to break your water soon. And that's probably going to hurt if you want to get your epidural now. Now I'm the person that's like, please give me my epidural at three centimeters. Like I can't handle it. (laughs) But I don't know if it was the side attack or it was just such a, um, a smooth progression of my contractions that I was like, oh, I'm at a five. Like really, I'm already there. And I think towards the end, my blood pressure started dropping. That's what it was. Mm. And they were like, we, we need to give you a little Pitocin to kick this into gear. And I was freaked out of that, of course. Um, and so that just got a little iffy, but once I did that, we were smooth sailing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, if it worked for you, it worked for you. It sounds like your body was already like really ready and you just, the side attack just kind of pushed you over the edge. So it was probably mostly your body doing most of the work. The only reason I don't like Cytotec is sometimes with Cytotec, it works perfectly fine, just like you explained. But sometimes with Cytotec is we'll play Cytotec and people will have these contraction after contraction after contraction, and it'll stress baby out. Um, And there's no way to control the Cytotec. So with the Pitocin, we can turn it off or we can turn it down. And with Cytotec, we placed it and it's not like we can, it's already Mm -hmm. absorbed. We, We can't take it away. We can't like Titrate it. So that's Makes my sense. only like mm, when I, why I don't like side attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I get it. I get it. Besides Pitocin and side attack, are there any other induction kind of ways to induce, I guess? Yeah, there are. So the other thing it, that we'd usually do before Pitocin is a thing called a Foley bulb. And if you're not familiar with a Foley bulb, it is a manual way to dilate and soften up your cervix. So not everyone would need a Foley bulb, but we typically give Foley bulbs and Cytotec really. I, we don't, we usually use Cytotec or Foley bulbs in that kind of first early prepping stage. Because really what the Foley bulb needs to do is prep your cervix and get it a little bit more soft and a little bit more open and if, and thinned out. Because if we give you Pitocin and start your labor, start your you know contractions, when your cervix is pretty closed and thick, it's going to take a lot of Pitocin or like a really long time. So we like to kind of prep your cervix first and get it like nice and nice and like ready. And then we give you that Pitocin to get you contracting. Another one is breaking your water is a method of induction. Um, and it's usually used in conjunction with other things, but I have seen providers use it as a first kind of method because it does a very similar thing that a Foley bulb does or Cytotec does. And it releases prostaglandins like near your cervix, which can get you to contract. And it also brings baby down a little bit. So baby is putting a little bit more pressure on your cervix. So yeah, those are kind of the main ones. Is the Foley bulb the balloon that I hear about? Yes, it is the, the balloon. evil balloon. Your oh, horror yes. stories about that too. I have one somewhere. I always forget when I'm on this podcast episode. I knew, I'm like, I need to get my props out because I have so many props, <laughs> so I can show like you know what this actually is. But yeah, Foley bulb is the is the evil balloon um, mm. that I've heard it be described as, and really. Some people, it's like no big deal. We put it in and it's like you have a little bit of cramping and then it comes out and it's no big deal. Other people are like that. It just sucked. (laughs) But like an analogy that I like to give to people 
in like when we talk about prepping your cervix is a banana. Okay, so think about how hard it is to peel a banana when it's like green, you know, it's like not ripe and you're like, mm, like, you know, you're trying to really open it versus like when it's really, really ripe and it's brown, you can just like really, really peel it really easily. So that's kind of how we look at your cervix is we want to get it to that brown banana and Cytotec or Foley bulb can kind of help it get to that brown banana. And before when it's closed and thick and, you know, kind of still high, it's that green banana. So it's going to be a little bit harder if we just throw, you know, Pitocin at you. Um, so that's kind of, people like that analogy because it's kind of, you know, it's, un, it's mm-hmm. easy to visualize. Right. All right, you guys, it's summertime. So that means it's time for some fun new activities to keep the kids engaged and excited. So if you're looking for something fun, different and screen free, like we are to keep our kids occupied, you have to check out Little Passports. Let me tell you, Bryce is obsessed. I'm obsessed with his When we get this package, we are so excited. So Little Passports offers globally inspired award-winning kits filled with hands-on activities and games and stories that are all designed to spark their curiosity and imagination in just your little adventurers and scientists. Plus they're perfect for all ages. Each month, Little Passport sends you a kit that's packed with all sorts of fun things. These play-based activities and interactive crafts and puzzles and games and stories to help them have fun, but also while they're exploring and learning about different parts of the world, they, it's incredible. Whether building a solar-powered robot, creating a Spanish mosaic, or playing with these little animals in the Serengeti, kids ages 3 to 10 will absolutely love learning with little passports. Each kit contains activities that are perfect for their age and match to their interests. It makes the perfect gift for parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents, educators, really anyone. You can choose from month to month, six months or 12 month subscriptions. It's whichever is right for you and your family and you can stop at any time. Share the world with your little explorers. With Little Passport, there's always something new to discover. For listeners of the show, Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash full. That's 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash full. That's littlepassports.com slash full. This is one play kit they'll absolutely love getting. Bryce waits. He knows the package when it's delivered and we've had so much fun with it. Okay, let's talk about this. For someone like me that my biggest fear was to poop during labor, what would you say to people that that is their fear also? Because let me tell you, I was like, I will not, I will not. And I made them put a mirror the whole time. I had to watch the whole whole time. I was like, I have to see everything and make sure that I will not poop. Okay. I need to know though, where does this fear come from? Is it that you don't want Tyler to see you pooping? Is it the doctors no. or nurses? What I is don't it? care that Tyler sees, we, he's seen me poop before, but in the woods. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, no, it's the doctors. I don't want, I'm, I don't want a doctor or a nurse, a nurse to have to clean up my um, poop. <laughs> so I will say I love poop. Okay. (laughs) I love it when people are pooping because guess what that means? That means that that baby is pushing right on the right spot and your baby is about to come out. Okay. So that's what I say to people is don't 
don't worry about it. We like poop. We like to see poop because we know that that's progress and that you are doing the right thing. We do not mind at all cleaning it up. We are like ninjas. We're poop ninjas. So we just know how to do it really <laughs> fast. Take the chucks and, you know, just like put the chucks in the wash, t- you know, with the washcloths underneath you. And if you poop a little bit, which is kind of, you know, fold it over and it's no big deal and then get rid of it. You know, and and the other thing I say to people when we talk about pooping is if you're going to poop, you know, most people think when you poop, it's like you poop. It's like a lot, you know, most of the time I would say like most people, 80, 90 percent of people when they poop during labor, doing pushing, it's not very much. It's like a little bit. Anything in there, it's, it's going to come out, right? If we think about anatomy and like where your vagina is versus where your rectum is, and there's this big old baby head in that vagina putting a lot of pressure on that rectum, um, anything in that rectum is going to come out. So that's what I tell people is like, you're probably not going to just like poop and poop, get like a normal poop, right? It's probably just going to be a little bit. And the the last thing I tell people is that I've never seen anybody get divorced after they see their partner (laughs) poop during labor. (laughs) If you're the kind that you don't want to poop in front of your partner, I've never had that happen. So just, it's, it's going to be okay. (laughs) I mean, we've talked about this before, but Josh fully birthed, like literally birthed. He's he's a Dr. Liesl. So he actually, my OBGYN was like, all right, Josh, come birth your baby. And he like actually fully birthed Bryce and hasn't divorced me yet. So yeah. So that's good. I feel like they have this higher respect and and admiration for you when they see it. They're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. She just did that. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. They, they, that's what I tell myself. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's how my husband was too. It's like, whoa, (laughs) you know, it's something that they just can't do. And it's incredible to them that, oh my gosh, like I just saw my child come out of my wife or my partner, whoever, you know? Um, So, yeah. What was your birth like, especially you being a nurse? How was that? Oh, yeah. So I had I have two boys and one of them is five and a half. One of them is about to turn two. So I had both of mine actually without epidurals. I was that crazy person that came in and was like, I'm just going to do this and it's going to be fine. Um, but I wow. did. Yeah, I did. I was open to getting an epidural in both of my births, especially my second one. After doing it one time, I was like, I mean, I think I can do it again. But like if it's if it gets crazy, like it's fine. I'll get an epidural. Um, but I was able to do it both times and I had crazy bad back labor with both of mine. So it was, it was rough. The first go around, I was, you know, very typical, like first time mom in labor for, uh, for, you know, the whole day, um, at home came in, my doctor did, I asked her to break my water and then I did a bunch of position changes, got in the tub, a shower. Um, eventually the back pain just got so bad that I was like, I was like nine and a half centimeters, like trying to push on my hands and knees. Cause that's something that we can do to kind of get baby to flip a little bit. Um, and eventually he did and he came out and I felt like such a awesome boss, you know, like, yeah. Oh my God, I just did this. And like, I didn't yeah. think I was going to do it. Like, woohoo, you know? Um, so that was a super empowering birth for me. My second one <laughs> was not as much. So I didn't really, I mean, I kind of knew what to expect because I've seen second time moms, you know, labor, and it's usually much quicker than the first go around. And I, it was quicker than my first one. Um, but I ended up stalling at about nine, same, like nine and a half centimeters for like almost two hours. It was so bad. <laughs> oh and I was gosh. like in the tub, like, 
And I was really like, I mean, should I get an epidural? Like, I just, I don't know what to do, you know? And so of course there's also this weird mindset that you have, I think at, and I think every labor and delivery nurse will agree with me. Like when you know what's going on, sometimes you're like trying to do things because you know what's going on, but it's also like, this weird control thing where you're like so focused. So I think that's probably what like led also into me stalling is like, I'm just, it's, I mean, it's in my head. Eventually it was fine. And he flipped. It, it was the same thing. They both were OP. It's called OP. When you get really bad back labor, sun, baby comes out sunny side up and they both like, it was actually pretty cool. My nurses said that they, that they both kind of spun at the very end, like as they were kind of coming out of me. So yeah, super empowering the first time. The second time I was just kind of shell-shocked <laughs> that like, oh my God, that was horrible. And like, you know, so it took me a little while to feel like an empowered, you know, lady. Um, but eventually I did. And it was, you know, it was great. I did it again, like woohoo, you know, but yeah, it was, it was fun times. I would say afterwards, after it was done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not turning. Yeah. You did it. That's amazing. <laughs> do you think you'll do it again? Uh, well, I don't know. Ask my husband. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't think, I think I'm much more open to it than he is. Um, he just turned 40 last year. So I think he's like mentally, he's like done. But I think if, if it happened, I would not be like, ah, I would be like, mm, okay, let's do this. Let's, third time's a charm, right? But if I had to guess, it's probably like a 99% chance that there's, I'm just going to be a two boy mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Wait, can we just discuss the water for a second? Because I think in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm going to be that person that turns on the bathtub in the birthing room. Yeah. And I will never forget. I got all geared up, you know, the waterproof, you know, monitor, the whole thing. They turned on the water. I kid you not. I think I put like my foot and my knee in the water and I was like, get me no. out. I don't know what it was, but it was just like this opposite of what I ever imagined it was going to be. Wow. And I like could not get out of the tub fast enough. I was like, I got to get out like five seconds ago. Please help me. Yeah, that happens. I mean, we have some people come in and they're like, I want to, I want to be in the tub. And then when they get in the tub, they're like, this doesn't feel good. I want to get out. Totally fine. That's why I tell people, I mean, that's goes for everything. Like, Hey, like, let's be flexible. I know, you know, you want certain things, but during labor, it might be a whole different ball game. And you might decide like, Hey, actually, I am not so into sitting on this birth ball. Like I thought I was going to actually, I do want to get in the tub or this that, and the other, but the tub is great for some moms, because especially if you can kind of get uh, immersed, like kind of, you know, over your belly, really where those contractions are hurting you. Um, it can provide a lot of pain relief and you just feel like buoyant, you know, in the water, it's just nice. So a lot of, I will say though, too, if you are interested in laboring in the tub or even having a water birth, make sure you check, unless you're delivering at like a birth center or at home. Um, if you plan on delivering at a hospital, make sure you check and see if they have tubs. A lot of places do, but a lot of places don't. Um, so make sure you check with either the hospital or you can ask your provider because they would know. The night I went in for our first birth, it the hot water was out. Oh, boo. That <laughs> sucks. I was so excited. <laughs> and I was so ready. I had all my, you know, pack all your gear times yeah. 10. <laughs> and then, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad at how it went. One more thing. What about sex as a natural induction? Do you recommend that? 
for patients. Yeah, girl, let's get it. That's fine. <laughs> that is totally fine. Unless you have a contraindication. Some people do, you know, that they their provider says, hey, your placenta is right here. We don't want you to be having sex. But for the most part, um, if your provider has not told you to not have sex, you can have se- as much sex as you want. And the, um, sex is not an evidence-based method to try and induce your labor, but it is anecdotal. So kind of a a few, a few reasons why we think it works is that if you have a male partner and your, uh, your partner's semen can be a uh, source of prostaglandin. So it's that same hormone. Prostaglandin is like a hormone-like substance that is released when when I was talking about Foley bulbs and Cytotec. It's just that kind of gets your uterus contracting a little bit and your cervix nice and soft. So that is, that can help. Okay. And also oxytocin is the same chemical that you release when you're having sex. It's that feel good, feel good feeling. And guess what is the same thing that's in that bag of Pitocin or that same chemical that is released during labor, oxytocin. It doesn't feel exactly the same, but (laughs) it's the same thing. So, hey, you can get some oxytocin going and have some contractions at home. And then the last thing I say too, is this is an evidence-based one, is nipple stimulation. So if you are the kind of girl that you like your nipples being rubbed during sex, then (laughs) you could have some nice, good contractions from that nipple stimulation. So yeah, I am (laughs) pro-sex. So good. (laughs) Oh, what a good question to end on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've really enjoyed this. And uh, oddly, this conversation now I'm like, oh man, I want to have a birth again. Uh, Isn't it? Yeah, I know. And I just love, I feel like you gave us permission to just feel like it's okay to ask for needs. And really advocate for ourselves and and kind of collaborate with the nurses and doctors. So thank you. Everyone yeah. that's listening, please go check check out Liesl. Um, can you tell our followers where they can find you? Yeah. So I am most active on Instagram. So if you just search mommy, it's, there's a dot in there. I'm at mommy.labornurse. Um, on Instagram, I we post all the time on there on the feed and I'm doing, I do Q and A's on the weekends and we've got a lot of resources over there. I also have a podcast. It's just the mommy labor nurse podcast where I go more in depth in certain subjects. We've got the blog, which is where we have our online birth classes at mommylabornurse.com. I'm kind of into TikTok these days. So you can check me out on there too. I think I'm, it's the same handle at mommy.labornurse. But yeah, just, you know, if you Google search mommy labor nurse, you'll, you'll see a lot of stuff come up. Awesome. Oh, thank you. I don't know how you do it all. I have, I have help. People help me. Okay, <laughs> I have good. a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it is a lot. That's a lot. Well, thank you so much for being here. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. It'd mean the world to us if you'd take a second to rate, review, and follow the show and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to support the show. And if you have any questions you want us to cover on the show, call our voicemail line at 833-444-FULL. We want to hear from you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com for resources, courses, and to shop our favorites. Can't wait to see you next week. 